Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. As usual, I am your host, Liam, or at the FSA Tweets on Twitter. And today, I'm not going to enjoy this episode one bit because you heard the laugh of my co-host there, Rich at Dynasty Island on Twitter. And before I let him jump in, um, I'm just going to point out that not only did the Jets, which is Rich's team, if you don't know, beat my uh, beloved uh, Packers, he had not one, but two of his draft late-round draft crushes um, become fantasy-relevant this week with Tyquan Thornton um, for the Pats having 20-odd points. 20, I think it was 22 points. And Greg Dolchich. Is it Dolchich? Dolchich? Dolchich. I'm sure they were pronouncing it differently on the broadcast, but he had a touchdown reception in his very first game that he was active for the... Um, Denver Broncos so Rich is flying high and he's going to be absolutely unbearable for me this episode but Rich now that I've got that out (laughs) please feel free to tell the listeners how you are doing and how high you are actually flying I am very good thank you Liam Um, I won't rub it in too much I feel like 
you know, there's there's kicking a man when he's down, and then there's kicking a man after that shocking performance by the Packers. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll let I'll let that sort of just settle, and you know, I won't rub it in too much. I promise you. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a. I, I seem to write my article every week and I start my article with, wow, what a wild week. And every week I sort of think, I can't say that again. I can't say that again. I can't say that again. And yeah, wow, what a wild week. It was absolutely <laughs> mental yet again. Um, genuinely can't quite get my head around some of the stuff that's happening. I saw somewhere it was the lowest fantasy point scored on a Sunday in 10 years, which... That is incredible. I. <laughs> I don't know how much I believe that, if I'm being honest. I'm not quite sure how you can quantify fantasy points as a total. But, yeah, apparently that's a stat. So there you go. That's that's why if if your, your team scored rubbish, that's probably why. Um, but speaking of team scores, let's just dive straight in to the highest scorers, Rich. And as usual for those people that don't know, it is four touchdowns. Four points for touchdowns for quarterbacks, uh, throwing touchdowns, or PPR for every other position. This week, Rich, we had Joe Burrow with the QB1 performance on the week, and then Matt Ryan came in as QB2, um, finally getting back to kind of what we expected before the season, and then Josh Allen slotting in about 0.6 points behind Matt Ryan in QB3. Yeah, I think... First of all, just wanted to highlight Harry's comment of <laughs> seems like it, beating the Packers is becoming easier by the week. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, it really depends how well our offence starts to play <laughs> because right now our offence is non-existent. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on Joe Burrow. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Lynn, but we've we've talked about the, the Bengals and their kind of slightly high school offence of when Joe Burrow is under centre, they run the ball. And when Joe Burrow is under in shotgun, they pass the ball. And it, it's kind of comical how that's happened. It happened a lot last year, but through five weeks, that was basically what was happening this year. Um, and last Sunday was the first time I was actually genuinely surprised and impressed that that, that wasn't the case. So basically, the Bengals went, right, we're not going to go under centre at all. They had zero pass attempts under centre. They only actually had two snaps under centre, um, one of which was a kneel down at the end of the game. But they sort of went into almost modern NFL offense. We saw a huge amount of RPOs. We saw a huge amount of kind of forward thinking passing game concepts, which, you know, credit to Zach Taylor, he's finally caught on sort of 18 months after it's become the, the norm. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I was really impressed. And I think Joe Burris haven't, you know, I, I'll be honest, up until now, I've been really disappointed with him, but he's been sneaky good. I think he's like the quarterback five in terms of weekly scoring. He's um, indeed QB five on the year. Yeah, which, you know, that's when you think he's been playing badly, Jamar Chase until this week hasn't really produced. And yet he's the QB five. I'd take that. And I think that, you know, I was one that I didn't really like Joe Burrow at his, at his prospect in the off season, hold my hands up. If he, if he, if this offense is going to take a step forward and he can continue to produce, you know, it's, it's exciting seeing where it could go. It's interesting, isn't it? Because if you listen to the broadcast last night, if you listen to most broadcasts over the past few weeks, they've all spoken about the offenses not performing well across the board in the NFL. It's become a lot more of a defensive league this year. There's been a lot of, 
um, offensive regression. So I think even though we were probably right in our process to drop Borough a bit compared to cost, I think that was in line with expecting the Bengals to regress as well as basically expecting the rest of the league to still provide that upside offense now with the Bengals they've kind of regressed in line with everyone else and I think that's what we didn't expect to happen and I hold man's up as well I I didn't like Burrow at cost I had him a little bit lower because Burrow was going QB three or four in the offseason probably more like four um but yeah I, I I much rather him around the six or seven spot but even then it's just a interesting thought concept that the offenses across the board have taken um, a step back. And that may be why that stat earlier, Rich, about it being the lowest scoring Sunday in 10 years may actually have been closer to correct than you expected. Yeah, potentially. Potentially. I'm going to go and do some research and see if I can prove it. So, <laughs> so moving over to the running backs while Rich is doing that research, we've got Dion Jackson, with 28.1 points for those of you that don't know he is now the essentially solidified backup to Jonathan Taylor and Ramondre Stevenson at running back two this week with 25.1 points and then Austin Eckler back in the top three for another consecutive week um, with 24 points so Rich um, we've got a couple of names that we wouldn't have expected to see in the top three maybe at all um, with Stevenson and Dion Jackson. You got anything to add on those two? Because they are guys that we haven't really brought up on this show. No, I mean, Dion Jackson was a draft crush, someone that, um, yeah, I really liked and, and sort of didn't really produce. Um, Another one. <laughs> I've, I've got a lot of draft crushes, Liam. If you, if you have enough draft crushes, some of them are bound to be good, is the way I'm living. Um, the Ramondre Stevenson thing is, is really interesting. Okay, so... Damian Harris is is out for at least a, f- a couple more weeks, we think. I know he, there was potential that he might have played on Sunday, but I think that's just the Patriots being the Patriots. I think he's probably gone for a couple, a, at least a couple more weeks. If Ramondre Stevenson can keep producing like this, I see no reason why the Patriots would move away from him in the short term. Okay, At the end of the season, Damian Harris is a free agent. Yes, they drafted Pierre Strong, but... As Sunday shown, he he was basically relegated to special teams duty. Kevin Harris, another one of my draft crushes, uh, <laughs> was was the 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 backup running back, but basically didn't get any usage. Okay, so Ramondre Stevenson the, potentially combined did five four, for four carries. By the way, there you That's, go. Okay, yeah. So Ramondre Stevenson potentially is one of these bell cow backs that is going to break the Patriots system. You know, a la Corey Dillon, a la, I want to say LeGarrette Blunt did it for one year as well. So if Ramondre Stevenson is that back that could potentially be the bell cow for New England, are we all too low on him as a community? Because this is a guy that's in his first game as 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 the lead back is the RB2. Now, yes, I appreciate that's, you know, potentially the ceiling rather than the floor, but... He's currently going, I'd imagine, late 20s, early 30s in ADP. I'm just trying to frantically load up October ADP so I can find it. He was the RB23 in October ADP, okay? 
But are we saying that he's got potentially top five upside? I'm just looking at my ranks. I've got him RB20, okay? If you said to me, Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the bell cow back for the Patriots every week for the rest of this season, and Damian Harris is gone at the end of the season, which, which to me are both realistic outcomes. I think Ramondre Stevenson would be ranked for me ahead of Kenneth Walker, ahead of Damian Pierce. So he would be my RB8. So I guess what I'm saying to you is if you believe in Ramondre Stevenson, it might be worth going all in because, yes, you know, we always talk about sell high and buy low. And and I think when you get consensus like buys and sells, it opens up a, a slight window. And if people are thinking that Ramondre Stevenson is a sell high off the back of this one boom week, maybe you can buy high and grab him. Uh, you know, he's probably going to cost you a, you know, maybe, maybe a first round pick, but uh, what, what do no. you think, Liam? Are, are you, you're not, you're not, you're not seeing it at all. I see the point you're trying to make, but, this is the exact same point that people were trying to make about Elijah Mitchell or whoever was meant to be the lead back in San Francisco. And which yes, is which is slightly which different is, systems. Which is Elijah that. Mitchell, he's just injured. Let's let's yeah, and and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have bought him because he got injured, because that how are you ever going to predict injuries? But my point is that is another system that just has guys that will either produce as they're the running back one or will be completely near enough irrelevant and you have no idea when it's going to happen we've seen for years with sony michelle and whoever else was in the backfield for the past what six years that bill doesn't trust one running back he never has done as you've just pulled up here rich Harry is also in the agreement that he struggles to trust Bill, and as soon as one running back fumbles, it's another, another, it's next man up essentially. And I get the point. If you could guarantee me that Ramondre Stevenson was going to be the bell cow for the, um, for the Pats, then yes, I'd easily pay a first for him, a late first, smash that every day. But I can't guarantee that, and that's the thing that's not frustrating me, but holds me back a little bit. I mean, four of the past five games, Ramondre Stevenson has had five targets. I think that goes a lot into what that offense has been trying to do with no Mac Jones. And yes, he's done really well, but I just, if you could guarantee me that he was going to be the bell car back, I agree with you, but because you can't, and as Harry's just said, you cannot predict when that is going to happen. I can't get on board with paying a first for Stevenson right now, but he does have that upside. I yeah, will give and you that. I get, he does have that upside. I completely get what you're saying. And, you know, there is absolutely a risk there, but that's why it's a potentially interesting buy, isn't it? Because if, oh, if yeah, there was no risk sure. and we could all sit here and guarantee that he's going to be the bell cow back for the Patriots, his price is probably doubled, if not tripled. So yes. yes, there is absolutely a risk that you go and buy him, and he's as Harry said, he's he's one fumble away from falling apart. I guess what I'm saying is is that 
all of those situations you've talked about, sharing backfields and things like that, have been in the, should we call it the James White era, where the Patriots have had this elite pass catching back. So they've they've it's made sense for him to be on the field and then use a a kind of a traditional two down back. I, I I resist against the comment of Bill's never done this because he's done it with Corey Dillon. He's done it with LeGarrette Blunt. And both I of them had he hasn't. No, no, he just okay. prefers not to. Okay. There's a difference. He's he has done it in the past and it's been a top five season. Now I appreciate I'm I'm you know, if I'm sitting here saying Rondre Stevenson is definitely gonna be it, I'd have him ranked in my top ten. He's not, he's my RB twenty yeah, currently. So I'm I just I'm I guess I'm posing as if you're maybe one of those fringe playoff contenders and you don't think you're a true contender, but you don't you think you're too good to try and rebuild, this is the kind of retooling aggressive move that you can make that if it doesn't come off, okay, you're still a mid-table team, you've not really lost anything. But if you can pivot from another player. I'm not talking about using picks, pivot from another player to go and buy Ramondre Stevenson. And last Sunday is a sign of things to come and we see the superstar, then you could look very, very happy in two months' time. Just to add on to the the hype, I suppose, in the past four games, he has had over 10, uh, 10 carries. And in each of those, he scored over 10 points. The lowest was 12.9 points in PPR. That was lowest by far. I mean, then the next lowest is nearly 20 points, and then the other two were over. So he's got that upside. And I like the idea of if you're a fringe contender, you've got someone like a Cam Akers or Javante Williams or someone like that, you can pivot off, pick up a little bit more maybe, Man, then, if you if you could pivot from Cam Akers to Rodney Stevenson, I'd I'd I've yeah, I'd be very happy. I have Cam. I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to Cam Akers in a bit, but he he <laughs> is like, I don't think he's in my top sixty now. I'm fully out on Cam Akers. So let's move on, Rich, because we spent a lot of time on Rodney <laughs> Stevenson. Um, at wide receiver, we are still on the highest scorers of the week. For those of you that got a bit lost there, um, Jamar Chase came back with a wide receiver one week, uh, Stefan Diggs, and then Tyreek Hill. I mean, that, those are all names that we kind of expect to see every so often. Tyreek Hill specifically is having an absolutely great season. Um, again, Stefan Diggs up there as well. Moving over at tight end, Rich, you've got Mike Kosicki as tight end one, Mark Andrews tight end two, and then Travis Kelsey tight end three. Um, so again, Two of the three names you you kind of expected, and then Mike Gesicki uh, with nearly twenty five points. I believe it was a two touchdown game for him, so that's where a lot of those points come from. But um, are you expecting him to regress back down to basically non existent, which is what he has been for the most part of this season, or do you see this as maybe they use him a bit more um, willingly from now on? Honestly, God knows. Um... <laughs> You know, we we were I think we were both fairly low on Mike Kazicki coming into the offseason yep. with the um basically the talk and the shift around him becoming a more traditional tight end rather than the big slot receiver that he has been through his career. And I said, you know, at cost and probably a lot below his cost, I'm completely out because I just don't see him being able to function as a traditional tight end. Well, through five weeks, 
I was feeling very smug and very happy because the Dolphins were using him as a fairly traditional tight end. He was lining up as a wide receiver around 50%. I tweeted out all the stats today, actually. So if you want to look, go look at my Twitter feed. Um, And then this week happened and it's completely switched. He was only lining up as an inline tight end, 16% of his snaps. He was playing 80% of the snaps, whereas through the first five weeks, he's playing sort of 60% of offensive snaps. This was almost the Mike Kosicki of old. And part of that coincided with Jalen Waddle being injured. And part of that might have been, actually, let's let's just try and use Mike Kosicki a bit more as, as he is meant to be used. So, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it, if I'm being honest, Liam. If they come out and Jalen Waddle is potentially fit and... Because if he goes back to being used as a traditional tight end, then yeah, I'm completely out on him. If they're going to start using him as that big slot receiver that we know and love and and hopefully move forward with, then yeah, I'm probably back in on him. So it's a it's a question mark. Let's let's have let's see how it goes next week. So that's a nice transition, Rich. Let's go straight into the significant news. And we may as well start with Jalen Waddle, as you've just spoken about him. Um, He did have a shoulder injury and therefore came out of the game um, on Sunday. So he's potentially out for the next few weeks. I think the timeline initially is about one to three um, weeks. And Mike McDaniel specifically said one to two. So that's something to monitor because that seemed pretty early on to immediately say one to two weeks. Um, but Rich, I mean, with this news, do you think Mike Gesicki is someone that you can maybe trust as a flex play if Waddle is out, or are you trying to stay away? I don't know if I could say trust. Um, I'd certainly rank him higher um, if Waddle is out because of what we've just discussed. Yeah. But yeah, who who knows? They might go back to. You know, maybe we see. I want to say Trent Sherfield is there. Um, maybe third, some, yeah. yeah, maybe we finally see Cedric Wilson utilised. I don't know if he's injured at the moment. Maybe, maybe that's it, and maybe it was just a game plan of, okay, let's chuck Mike Sicky in there and see where we go. But yeah, it's not. You never like to see injuries like this. Hopefully, Jalen Waddle can can come back fully fit. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see the offense' offense with hopefully two are back this week as well. Yeah, so from what I've read, it's similar to the T. Higgins injury from earlier in the season. He did miss much time. Obviously, his severity is going to be different with every player and every injury, but it's just something that you can kind of pin in in your head. Um, Kenny Pickett left the game with a concussion. So Trubisky came in um, after that QB swap a few weeks ago. And with how... The NFL uh, dealing with concussions this season after the tour situation earlier on in the season. Um, I'd say Trubisky is probably going to start this season, uh, this week um, at least, and maybe even wins that job back or he goes straight to pick it. Just keep an eye on that situation. And then uh, some Cardinals news. We've got Hollywood Brown with an injury. So that is Liz Frank injury. Um, so his timeline to come back is about six weeks. That's just something to monitor. Um, it's a big injury. But then um, because of that news, you also had the Cardinals trade for Robbie Anderson after getting basically ejected by his own head coach at the Panthers or interim head coach at the Panthers. Um, and then we got news, I believe it was late on Sunday, early morning, 
uh, Monday that Robbie Anderson was being traded to Cardinals, Rich. So that offense has changed massively, especially considering DeAndre Hopkins is back from suspension this week um, ahead of the Thursday night football game. Yeah, I, I just love that you can guarantee on two things, you know, Cliff being completely incompetent and the Cardinals spending all of their resources on the wide receiver position. This team that spent, so they trade, they drafted Christian Kirk in the second round, Andy Isabella in the second round, Rondell Moore in the second round. They traded, okay, it was a great deal, but they traded for DeAndre Hopkins. They traded a first round pick for Marquise Brown. They've traded two draft picks for Robbie Anderson. They paid AJ Green $10 million last year to come across as a free agent. Oh, and don't forget they traded for Zach Ertz and um, who's that? Trey McBride. They've just drafted as well, haven't they? Another another second round pick, I want to say. Second, yeah. Second rounder this year. Supposedly, if Cliff Kingsbury's supposed to be this offensive guru, you think he wouldn't need to spend quite so many resources on the wide receiver position. Um, I guess it's probably an uptick for Robbie Anderson. You know, it couldn't have been much worse than what was happening in Carolina. I think he steps into that Hollywood Brown role as as the deep threat immediately. I think John Joe Hopkins will go into his X spot where he just lines up on the outside 99% of the time. They don't move him. He doesn't get anything original and just gets thrown contested catches. I guess Rondell Moore will probably be used in those two and three receiver sets and then AJ Green drops to the four. So this whole thing, I think it's probably a slight uptick for Rondell Moore. I think it's, you know, I've been very excited for DeAndre Hopkins to come back all off season. So yeah, it's wheels up for DeAndre Hopkins. And hopefully if you've been listening to me prattle on about DeAndre Hopkins as a incredible buy, hopefully you've, uh, you've got some DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins shares on your rosters. Um, yeah, it's probably a little bit late to buy DeAndre Hopkins now. So you've got some news over in Washington, Rich Carson Wentz with a finger fracture is probably coming back in four weeks time. Um, so load up your favorite QB backup as Taylor Heineke. Um, but yeah, going into the next few weeks, you're probably starting Taylor Heineke. Do you think there's any um, any competition from Sam Howell maybe? Do you see him maybe sniffing around if Heineke maybe struggles for a game or two? I'd be shocked because I think Sam Howell was is quite a way away from being a starting caliber quarterback. But I think basically if Washington struggle and Heineke looks terrible over the next probably two weeks, then yeah, there's absolutely a chance that Sam Howe is there. I think Ron Rivera is coaching for his job. Um, as much as he's a nice guy, as much as he's a very good coach, there's only so much losing you can kind of sustain. <laughs> so I think that, yeah, if, if Heineke looks terrible and can't function in this offense then yeah, Sam Howell's going to get an opportunity. I'm, you, you know me, I love some Heineke, but he, he's weird because he had that incredible playoff game against the Bucks, where he was taking risks and throwing the ball downfield. And then basically all of last year, he just didn't do that at all. So if we get aggressive Taylor Heineke willing to push the ball downfield, then yeah, hopefully it's a, it's a competent fantasy production and doesn't hit the, uh, the wide receivers that are, are fantasy studs um, too much. So, Rich, just a little bit more news. So it's um, mostly good news, but we'll start with the last little little bit of maybe bad news. We spoke about Cam Akers a little bit just 
Um, he was made inactive going into the game this week with, from what it sounds like, personal issues uh, or personal reasons. But from reporting, it kind of sounds like he and Sean McVay don't agree on philosophy and um, maybe a bit more uh, around his usage there. So they are, the Rams are looking to shop Cam Akers, which means... Um, Darrell Henderson is going to get a bump if that does actually happen. Um, they activated Malcolm Brown there, so um, we may not see Cam Akers for another few weeks until he is traded, or they somehow work it out. I think, I mean, Bowler reports he's gone, and at this point, I begin to wonder if he's about to get released because if a team was going to trade, just release him. Well, if a team was going to trade for him. Bearing in mind we're in season, that tends to happen on a Monday and a Tuesday. Because by the time he's got across, had a medical, got into, you know, you, you if you're trading for a player, as we've seen with Robbie Anderson, and yes, that was accelerated because they've got a Thursday night game. It normally happens at the beginning of the week because you want to get them integrated as quickly as possible. You know, you're, you're not trading for Cam Akers to just have him sat on the end of your bench. So... I'm beginning to wonder if maybe there, there is no interest in Cam Akers, and I wonder if he's a he's going to be cut. Maybe you know, obviously they'll they'll wait till Wednesday, Thursday, something like that, and then maybe you know they're the the Rams are on bye this week, so maybe they release him. He doesn't come back after the bye, and then he can go and find a new team to go and sign with. But as I said to you, I've Cam Akers has plummeted. I mean, he was already pretty low, but he's plummeted even lower. I think I don't think I'd pay a third round pick for Cam Akers right now. Um, I am I'm properly out because I just don't see the upside. There's nowhere he's going to go and be a, you know, get a better opportunity than the Rams. It's an inventive play caller, a good offensive scheme. Yes, the offensive line has been an absolute joke and, and torn apart, but he's not going to walk in into a better situation where he's going to have a better opportunity to carve out role. But if he can't beat out Daryl Henderson... I'm, I'm seriously concerned. <laughs> um, so let's switch over to some good news, Rich. We've got, um, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is back, but Dak and Mac, I've called this one, so Dak Prescott and Mac Jones are most likely back this week, just something to consider there. Um, so Dak has come back to practice and Mac Jones. The reports are looking good, but it's a high ankle sprain and we... We know what the um, Pats are like with their early week reports. I mean, you mentioned it with Damian, um, Damian Harris. So if either of those are back, are you loading them up in your lineups, Rich? That press quite absolutely. Um, I'm beginning to get a little bit worried about Mac Jones. There's, uh, you know, Bailey Zappi's been impressive. I think I saw the video of Mac Jones walking around before the game and that limp was serious. So, yeah, I, th- I think that, he might want to come back, but I wouldn't be shocked if he sits out for another week or two. And while Bailey Zappi's winning games, it's it's hard to uh, to rush Mac Jones back. It buys him a little bit more time, doesn't it? Yeah, I benched uh, I benched Bailey Zappi in Scott Fishbowl for Graham Gano because um, of that horrible QB scoring. If he doesn't do well, and then he threw for three hundred yards, so um, not well, I I luckily didn't have any shares of Bailey Zappi and didn't start him anywhere. So, <laughs> and then a little bit um, of 
significant lose. Last little bit is the bye week. So this week we have the Buffalo Bills, the Rams, the uh, Vikings, and the Eagles. So four mostly fancy relevant teams. Horrific, horrific week for buys. Some of my some of my good teams week is awful. Some of my good teams are absolutely decimated. This is when this is when stacks are painful. I've got one league where I've got. I've got the uh, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and uh, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson stacks. And uh, yeah, normally feeling very smug about my team. And this week, it looks abysmal. So, Rich, let's move over to the Dynasty stock market. Obviously, as usual, we start with the risers because we want that good news after normally some bad news in the uh, significant news. So who have you got as your risers this week, Rich? So big riser, Kenneth Walker. Um, looked fantastic. I don't know if you've seen the game, Liam, but really impressed. Have Every, unfortunately everything we hoped he would be coming out. Um, yeah, absolutely established for me now. He's he's a top eight dynasty back. Um, I'm really all in now. I think you know that offense is better than we ever dreamed, ever hoped. But I think he's very much an, an elite dynasty running back one moving forward. Um. I see you've also got Devonta Smith on here, Rich. Yeah, just expand on that one. Just continuing to produce, isn't he? You know, it's it's another another week, another great performance. I think he's he's climbing up the the ranks. His value keeps increasing. Um, he's now a top twenty wide receiver for me. Uh, the the big concerns was was there going to be enough volume for him and AJ Brown to eat and Dallas Goddard and the running game with Jalen Hurts, but you know, yes, it's a bit hit and miss each week, but when he's good, he's good. So I think, yeah, Devonta Smith looking looking fantastic, quite frankly. Um yeah, I mean, I said earlier in the season when Devonta Smith, I believe it was week after week two, um, that it's going to be quite consistent for both AJ Brown and um, Devonta Smith in terms of floor and then it was one of them were going to boom and the other one was going to be a bit more mediocre but um, that offence right now is absolutely firing on all cylinders so fortunately he's on a buy so you can't play him this week. Um, <laughs> the last player you've got on your list Rich is Daniel Bellinger which is a guy that um, I wasn't drafting at all in any of my rookie drafts uh, most likely a fourth or a fifth rounder as a tight end in your rookie drafts um, for the Giants, so he's a name that I don't like because he scored that touchdown against the Packers, um, <laughs> and he he had another great week. Yeah, not not one of my draft crushes. It's safe to say he was my tight end ten. So um, yeah, I think think I've probably got this one wrong. Shall we say he's he's now in terms of dynasty value for me. He's now tied with Trey McBride as the highest valued tight end rookie tight end um but he's 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 carved out a significant role yes the giants are a very weird offense i've never seen anyone line up with four tight ends on the field uh certainly anytime recently but he's carving out an every down role he's producing um yeah hard to not be really impressed with what you're seeing so definitely a climber it's probably someone you can still because I reckon he's sat on people's benches. I can't imagine, you know, sleeper projections or my fantasy league projections having particularly high on a given week. So maybe people aren't realising how good he is and maybe you can steal him away 
um, because I think he's going to be, you know, there's not many building blocks, shall we say, on this Giants offense. If you've got potentially Wondell Robinson, you know, potentially, <clears throat> obviously the two rookie tackles are both looking very good. Uh, not rookie tackles, young tackles, should we say. Um, and that's basically it. So I think Daniel Bellinger is going to be one of these guys that is used to build around moving forward. Um, so, yeah, very much a, a riser in, in dynasty circles and the dynasty stock market. Um, so to make you feel a little bit worse, Rich, I had him as tight end eight, so I was higher than you. But tight end eight in the rookie class is nothing. Um, I so how many, him behind Jalen Weidemeyer, um, who is no longer on any team. So. <laughs> How many uh, how many tight ends were we drafting? I can't I can't imagine I got into any, even in tight end premium leagues where I was drafting more than sort of three or four. So yeah, I think yeah, we were... I, I wasn't looking past Isaiah likely at tight end four or five. So um, anyway, let's move over to the fallers. Rich, who has fallen in your eyes this week? So first one, it, it, it probably hurts both of us this because he's a Packers player and he's my. I, I think hurt. I. Every every appearance on any podcast in the offseason, I was bigging up Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, big faller. Um, he's just not putting it together. I think he, he, he's. I think the, the throws are okay. It just seems the chemistry is not there. Um, I think he's stropping. It feels like he's sulking like he did towards the end of the McCarthy era. I don't know if you feel like this, Liam, but it feels like we're coming to the end of that Lafleur rogers relationship, um, which is pretty grim considering they're back-to-back NFC title games. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't look happy. The receivers aren't helping him out. They're not utilising Aaron Jones as we hoped, and, and this offence just isn't firing. So yeah, I still hold out hope for Aaron Rodgers for the rest of the year, I still think. Hopefully he can be a QB one, but it's it's hard not to pay his value to fall. Yeah, I I don't feel the same as you in terms of uh, thinking that relationship's ending because I don't. Um, there has been a bit of uncertainty around um, Rogers wanting to simplify the offense and Lafleur not really knowing what that means in in media um, media coverages this week, but. Outside of that, I think that he, he this week he was off. Uh, I don't. I'm assuming you've watched the game, Rich. I'm assuming you watched it live, but um, oh, you still muted, mate. Watched it twice, yeah. Yeah, I thought you would have. Um, but yeah, I don't know whether you noticed. He he just seemed a bit off on a few of his throws. Um, oh, I say a few, a few more than um, than usual because he does have those random throws halfway through. Um, a game that just seems really off, but and there was a couple that he could have put a bit closer, and I think that came down to his thumb. Um, whether that is the excuse, I don't know. But yeah, the, the chemistry is not there with the with the receivers. Sammy Watkins is meant to be coming back, and Rogers has spoken a lot of praise about Sammy Watkins. Whether we believe it is something else, but um, he was speaking a lot of praise both before the season, during when when he actually did play, and. Um, and a little bit afterwards, but he's lost Randall Cobb now as well for a few weeks with a potential high ankle sprain. So um, that's just something to watch around him. His value has fallen, but I think if anyone is going to bring back value from where he currently has fallen, it's going to be Rogers. Um, 
So it's just a tough one to to deal with, especially as a Packers fan. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, it's, it's brutal. Who are, who else have you got? So it's it's Najee Harris, who I feel like I can't remember if we've had him as a faller on this segment, but it we just have feels a like, few weeks ago. Yeah, it feels like every week Najee Harris just continues to plummet. Um, the guy was running back two in ADP at the beginning of the season. Um, he is currently averaging like 10 points a game. It's just appalling. And I know that he's not 100% fit. I know this offensive line is terrible, but look, he just look, looks like he's not bringing anything to the table better than anything. As I've said, Jalen Warren is better than him so far in pretty much every advanced statistic you can imagine. Um, it's it's just not getting anything done, and he continues to plummet down rankings. He continues continues to plummet down kind of valuation boards. Um, you know, it's it, he's now in for me in the same tier as Ramon J. Stevenson, and I, I would genuinely, you know, based on our conversation earlier, that would genuinely be a conversation for me between the two right now. That that's interesting to see how far he's fallen, um, but. Another person that's fallen quite a bit that I'm glad you put on the list so it doesn't seem like you're just bashing on the Packers too much this week is Elijah Moore. He ha- he was absolutely covered. Uh, it was He was on Jair Island. So um, Sorry, Rich, as your dynasty island, he was on Jair Island this week. Um, zero catches, no targets, I believe. Um, just absolutely nothing there for him. I don't know how you feel about this because I looked at Zach Wilson's um, pass attempts over the past few weeks and he started off with his first week back with about 36 I think it was but then the past two weeks have pulled the average down to 25 just a little bit over 25 and that means that Joe Flacco's average over the first three weeks um, was double what Zach Wilson is currently throwing for that yeah, that's right. You heard me. It's double. So Joe Flacco was throwing for over fifty times on average for the weeks that he started, compared to Zach Wilson's over the past few weeks. I think that says something about this offense right now. Do you think that the Jets trust Wilson? Zach Wilson, think, that is. I think it says something about the offense, but I think people are perhaps looking at the numbers, and this isn't me accusing you of this, Liam. But I think people are looking at the numbers and perhaps you know, two add two equals five kind of thing. Because, yes, Joe Flacco threw the ball a hell of a lot more than Zach Wilson has. But Joe Flacco was playing in games where the Jets were losing almost the entire game. And the Jets' offensive line was in pieces. We had Brees Hall as a rookie in his first couple of games. We were starting, you know, I think fifth and sixth string tackles at at that point. So the offense was in a shambles. Zach Wilson has come in and he, yes, he's averaging 14 completions a game through three, through his three games. The the offense has been very run heavy, but the Jets have won those games and have been ahead in all three of those games for pretty much the whole game. And I know you won't want to hear this, but the Jets were in control of the game the entire game on Sunday. They were. So it's like, yes, they didn't pass the ball because they didn't have to. They were able to run the ball. And they were continuously moving the ball. So, yeah, fine. Don't throw the ball when you can do that. I, For me, I'm less concerned about the lack of targets for Elijah Moore 
the thing I'm massively concerned about is the fact that Elijah Moore has been playing almost 100% of offensive snaps through five weeks. And this last week, they started taking him off the field for Braxton Barrios, which that's that's alarm bells time. Look, Elijah Moore, I, I still believe in the talent. I, I think the guy's a stud. I really like the player. And I think that I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a squeaky wheel game over the next week or two where he's just force-fed the ball. I still believe in Elijah Moore, the, the dynasty asset. I still believe in Elijah Moore, the dynasty player. But I am concerned for the rest of the season because I don't know if the Jets are ever going to have the passing volume that Elijah Moore's going to need to be relevant because Garrett Wilson has now overtaken him in terms of Roots run, in terms of being on the field. Corey Davis isn't leaving the field because he's the best run blocker out of the Jets receivers. He's the guy that's going to play 100% of the snaps. So he's he's now in that third role. And unless the Jets are getting into 11 personnel and throwing the ball a lot more, I don't know if the volume is going to get there for him to be what we all hoped he would be. But I'd definitely be sniffing around the Elijah Borodin because if they're panicking because, you know, zero targets, I think one one target across two games, you might be able to sneak him away. I'm still very happy, you know, if, if I could pay a second... I'd probably even pay two seconds, to be honest. I still believe the talent is there. Um, and I think this offence is going to be good. But it, there's going to be weeks when you've got, you know, multiple elite playmakers, which is a phrase I thought I'd never, ever say about the Jets. It's going to be a little bit boom bust, isn't it? It is. And I'm still glad that I told you that the Jets were going to have seven or more wins uh, this season because when I told you earlier in the offseason, you were like, nope, not going to happen. Don't give but us that's, hope. That's, that's, what being, four that's what being a Jets so. fan is. That's what being a Jets fan is. The Jets, the Jets could be <laughs> six six and two with you know nine more games and I still wouldn't believe they'd win seven games. That's, <laughs> that's just part of being a Jets fan, Liam, that you, you will never understand as a glory-hunting Packer. Yeah, here we here we go. Right, let's move on. I knew you, knew you wouldn't make it as the entire <laughs> show, but you did make it nearly forty five minutes, so I'll give you that. Um, let's move on to the player of the week, Rich. So, um, this week I've got uh, Kenyon Drake as my player of the week. He surprised everyone. I mean, um, we expected J.K. Dobbins to be a bit more healthy. I know that before the game. Uh, we were speaking with Tom Strachan, and he was a bit worried about uh, J.K. Dobbins in one of the group chats we've got. But I don't think many, if any of us, saw J.K. Dobbins going for seven carries for 15 yards, while Kenyon Drake had 10 carries for 119 yards. Um, I just don't know what is going on with that backfield. I mean, we always expect Lamar Jackson to essentially split carries with the lead back there, but I don't think we expected the lead back to be Kenyon Drake now that J.K. Dobbins is back. Where are you? How, how are you viewing this backfield, Rich? Because I, I really think, don't know what to do from a dynasty perspective. Yeah, I think it's still J.K. Dobbins' backfield. The, the, the reports were that his knee locked up, um, so they didn't want to risk him. So that's, you know, I understand that. That's fine. It's, it's you know, playing the long game. I think this is still J.K. Dobbins' backfield. But I think the one B back is is going to be messy. Kenyon Drake's probably going to get the majority of the work this week. We've got potentially Gus Edwards who might be back this week to throw in the mix. I think it's look, I 
if if you could if you have Kenyon Drake and you can sell him for anything off the back of this performance, then absolutely go and do that because yeah, I I don't think you're going to see probably this many points for the rest of the season from Kenyon Drake. I think it was a a flash in the pan and I expect him to disappear just as fast as he reappeared. So, Rich, who else? Who else on the Ravens are we talking about this week for your? So mine's, mine's mine's maybe a little bit of a cheeky two two players for the player of the week, and it's it's basically the elite two tight ends. So it's Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. I wanted to talk about them both, um, but you I, you you call it player of the week, so I thought I'd be cheeky. Um, look, I'll let you have do... players of the week. Then. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're appreciating how good Mark Andrews is, how good Travis, well, we all know how good Travis Kelsey is, but I don't think we're appreciating the positional advantage that you are getting from those two at the moment. You know, we talked about, well, not we, but as a dynasty community, there was all the hype about Kyle Pitts and the positional advantage he's got. I know JJ Zacharyson did a pod recently talking about the positional advantage that those elite four quarterbacks are giving you where it's six points a game on average. Well, Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews are averaging around 20 points a game at the moment. Zach Ertz is tight in three, averaging 13.2 points per game. So we're talking about how much of an advantage those elite four quarterbacks are giving you. You're getting seven points a game from Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey over the tight end three. You know, if you're talking about the Titan 10, Titan 12, it's like 10 points a game. So I think that if you're a contender and you're talking about a running back piece or a wide receiver piece, if you don't have one of these top two elite guys, you're at a disadvantage immediately. And, you know, credit to Kev, Kev White at the Dynasty Wildcard. You know, he always preaches about, if you if you don't have a lead tight end, you're not a contender. And he talks about that position advantage. And these two are absolutely, you know, nailing that over the head completely. Yet nobody's talking about it, it feels like. And I think that that position advantage that you are getting from these two is so great. It is like having an extra flex spot starting over your guy. You know, if you're saying it's a seven-point advantage on a weekly basis, that is absolutely mind-blowing. So I don't think, in terms of dynasty values, probably whatever you have to pay to get them, they're they're a good value. You know, if you're talking a a Titan Premium League, you're potentially talking as many as 10 points a week over the Titan 3. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited on the rosters that I've got either of them. Um, And I'd, it seems, you know, we talked about buying high earlier when we were talking about Stevenson. If you're a contender, maybe you need to be looking at buying high on Mark Andrews. You know, would you pay what Dallas Goddard? What would you have to pay to, on top to get Mark Andrews in a normal league? Would you pay? You know, if you're a contender, a late normal first, league, not tight end premium. Yeah, Dallas Goddard and a late first for Mark Andrews, I'd happily pay that. And that's probably a really good sell. You know, the person who's got Mark Andrews, even if they're a contender, they're probably thinking that's a great, great price. So yeah, I I, I just want to hype up these these elite two because they are giving you the most incredible position advantage you could ever imagine. Yeah, if you can pivot from a tight end four or five, maybe up to that, I I see every opportunity to do that, especially if you're a contender. I mean, 
my one of my favorite stats from a few years ago i've mentioned it so many times when because it was the first year i started podcasting um was the fact that the gap between the tight end two and three i believe this was in the 2020 season uh when tunyon had his breakout year the gap between tight end two and three was the same gap as the tight end three to the tight end 33 um and it's not changed. I did the same analysis last season. I can't remember off the top of my head what it was, um, but it was very similar in terms of uh, the gap between the tight end two and three was a, a very large gap and drops you into um, late late twenties, early thirties tight end rankings wise. So, um, yeah, as I've always said, Rich, get one of the elites, or you you basically picking up a bunch of other guys that you're hoping will you can put in on the right week um but yeah mark andrews is doing is doing wonders for me in the um effc i am and this is the only league where i am unbeaten i am six and oh and i've got the lamar jackson mark andrews stack so that's a massive part of it um rich let's move over to the flex off um, another reason for Rich to be a bit unbearable on this pod this week, although he's not been too bad through 50 minutes. Um, so for those of you that don't know, the Flex Off is a competition between myself and Rich um, where we pick a player in flex consideration. So the rules behind that are um, within Fantasy Pro's expert cons- consensus rankings um, on the week. Uh, it's not over a season, it's on the week because uh, they, they update them. Uh, it can't be within the top 36 wide receivers, top 24 running backs or the top 12 tight ends. And as it is flex and not super flex, no quarterbacks allowed. So, Rich, last week you went with Darnell Mooney. I went with AJ Dillon, and there was only about a 4.5 difference um, between the two, but you did. But you did uh, end up taking the win there. So you are still behind. You you did scratch one back. So you are three and two on the season now. Um, but who are you picking for this week to see who, if you can get back to even, um, or whether you're going to slip back down to a two loss lead, uh, two loss uh, deficit? Yeah. So I I feel like I'm cheating slightly this week because I don't think the Fancy Bros ECR has been updated correctly shall we say i think there's still a lot of people that haven't added certain players in that weren't available last week and such so i'm gonna go with chris olave who for some reason currently ranked as wide receiver 47 on the week um he's wide receiver 10 for me in my weekly rankings that i've just finished so yeah it's 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 an easy smash and i'm cheating but i'm losing 3-2 so why not cheat a little bit I mean, by the by the rules, you aren't cheating. And when I when I looked at the rankings, he was one guy that I looked at and thought, hmm, I kind of want to take him. But at the same time, it feels a bit cheap. And then you ended up taking him. I mean, trying to take the moral high ground. Who, who have you got? Come on. Let's, let's, I was going. I was going to say that I was also considering DeAndre Hopkins, who I'm sure a lot of people haven't uh, moved around after. The suspension has ended. Who is? I think he was the wide receiver forty-two. I think it was um, yeah. in ECI. But yeah, let's move over to my player, which is Damian Pierce, RB thirty-one. <laughs> wow! So real, real deep dive. 
I'd say that my guy is a lot more riskier than Chris Olave, who has been phenomenal for the first few weeks of the season, for the for the first third of the season, near enough. Um, he ha- he was out, and it is a short week, but I can't imagine he's not playing this week. Um, I think keeping him out of the last game was just down to concussion protocol. Um, and if it if the tour situation didn't happen, he would probably would have played last week. So, um. Yeah, Damian Pierce. I think he's got a great matchup, um, and again, Chris Olave. I, I can't fault you got for going Chris Olave, even though it feels a little bit cheap. Um, I did go with Damian Pierce, so I, I've got no room to talk really. Well, best of luck this week, and uh, yeah, we're, we're both cheating, so maybe it doesn't help. <laughs> best of luck. Anyway, um, listen to Mailbag before we sign off, Rich. We have two questions, so we'll start off with Harry Egerton, who has been on the YouTube live stream. He asked, uh, or he said that he's interested to hear our Titan power rankings, um, so just our top five through the first six weeks, and he added a little bit about how low uh, Kittle has fallen for you. So I'll start off with my top five. I've got Andrews, Kelsey in that order, and then a significant teardrop, as we've kind of already mentioned um, to Ertz, who is my tight end. And three, he was. Um, my philosophy around tight ends is basically play like a redraft league. Um, I'm not really concerned too much unless they are basically guaranteed to retire next year. Um, so I, I, I've i got tight end. Uh, Ertz as tight, my tight end three. Um, Goddard as my tight end four, which I didn't think would happen. I thought that he and Schultz were... Um, kind of the start of the the tight end dead zone for me, and he has stepped up. So he stepped up to my tight end four, um, and then I'm kind of cheating here because I can't pick a five. Um, so I'm going Hawkinson and Njoku as like a five A five B situation because Hawkinson has still got that elite ceiling, but I think that Njoku has kind of shown that he's getting those targets and I don't think it's going to change when Deshaun Watkins comes in after his uh, suspension. Rich, how much do you disagree? Not massively. So I can I can go through my rest of season redraft ranks and then my dynasty ranks if that helps. So um, rest of season redraft. So I've got Andrews, Kelsey, Goddard, Ertz, Hawkinson, Kittle. Um, so to answer that, Kittle, Kittle falls to six for me in terms of redraft. In terms of dynasty, so I've got Andrews, Pitts, Kelsey, and then a tear break, and then I've got Goddard, Waller, Hawkinson, Kittle. So Kittle tied seven in terms of dynasty ranks. Yeah, so I I should clarify my mine were redraft just because, as I said, I don't really play tight ends as dynasty rankings. I play them more like a redraft but i should say that pits if i'm looking as a rebuild would slot in as my tight end four above um goddard and kittles probably around the njoku level um around that tier as well rich we've also got another question from matt over at the wildcard um podcast can we get a value check on the holly on hollywood brown after his injury um i know we don't have full clarity but if you're a contender, what are you looking to move for him or where are you looking to pivot? So I think if you're a contender, for me, he is a massive sell. 
because as I've said a few times, I'm a big believer that Jondra Hopkins is is the one in this offense. And I think that that's not going anywhere. I don't expect Marquise Brown to come back and be the stud that he's been through six weeks for the playoff run. Um, if I'm rebuilding, normally I'm all about going and buying the injury dip. Um, I think you probably need to wait a couple of weeks for that because I think I want to see what's happening with DeAndre Hopkins. I want to see what's happening with this offense before I'm going and buying Marquise Brown. So yeah, I'm probably not touching him if I'm rebuilding. As a contender, guys I'm targeting that I think you can probably go and move for. Um, Chris Godin's one spot below him in ADP at the moment. I think you might have to add a sweetener to go from Marquise Brown to Chris Godwin, but that's probably a move I'd make. Um, other guys below him, so maybe Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, Mike Evans. Amari Cooper's one that I'd I'd absolutely be smashing. Amari Cooper's a top 12 receiver at the moment. Nobody seems it's to realise it. Right now. And then he's getting a huge quarterback upgrade in a few weeks. Like Amari Cooper could be an absolute stud for the uh, the playoff stretch that nobody seems to want to talk about. So yeah, though that's probably the move that I'm I'm going to make in if I've got Marquise Brown because I'm I'm very keen to uh, to move off if I'm a contender because I don't believe the Marquise Brown through six weeks is is the real Marquise Brown. So Rich, that is all we have on the show sheets that is all we have on the show for the dear listeners um remind the listeners where they can find you have you got anything coming up i know you mentioned your dlf article that you release every week and um, what have you got going on right now yeah you can find me at dynasty island um weekly dlf article um is released on a wednesday i i officially have launched my patreon a year ago on saturday so that's quite slightly mm. more mental that it's been a year that's running almost up to 50 patrons, which is, um, yeah, so slightly mind blowing that when I started it, I'd be shocked if I got two and there's 50. So <laughs> yeah, come, come and check me out there. Um, if, if you're not already, they already, if they don't get enough of you on the dynasty show, they obviously can find you there and get your, um, insight on demand through the Patreon. But, um, guys, if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can find the live stream on the at Five Yard Dynasty um, account every Tuesday at eight o'clock. Um, if you're listening to this as a live stream, hello, and I suppose goodbye because we are we are going to drop out. But you can find it on um, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, until next week, guys, stay safe and have a great week seven. See you later. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.